Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Nahum 1 through 3. Today's notes are courtesy of Sean Paris, a friend of mine who has developed quite a following for his detailed comments in the Facebook group. I have a lot on my plate right now, and Sean generously offered to step in for me. A side note for those listening on audio, you will notice that Sean pronounces the father's name differently from how I do. And of course, this is absolutely fine, as we do not know for sure how his name is pronounced. I encourage everyone to prayerfully seek out the Father on how you should pronounce his name. I also want to encourage you that we don't pass judgment on people who pronounce it differently or come to a different conclusion for us. We all do the best we can, earnestly and wholeheartedly seeking the Father on this, and we love and respect that everyone else is walking the same path to their best ability as well. So, there are many ways to say the Father's name. I think the most important thing is that we strive and seek to know it because He gave it to us, and that we say it with love and reverence. Sean's Rabbit Trails The following are interesting facts about the book of Nahum. Nahum means in Hebrew, Yehovah has comfort, consolation, a shortened version of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Some people pronounce that Nehemiah. I say it Nehemiah at this point in my spiritual walk. (laughs) Who wrote Nahum? Nahum. (laughs) Nahum was written around 663 to 612 BC. Observations. The only time Nahum is mentioned in the Old Testament occurs in Nahum 1 verse 1. Nahum's prophetic ministry has to do with the fall of Assyria and its capital city of Nineveh. As a result of Jonah's preaching in the city of Nineveh, the people repented and God spared the city. 150 years after the preaching of Jonah, Assyria and the city of Nineveh fell. Nahum's prophecies against Nineveh takes place 100 years after Jonah's preaching in Nineveh, 50 years before Nineveh will be conquered. At this point, Nineveh had become the mightiest city on earth. Its walls were 100 feet high and wide enough to accommodate three chariots riding side by side. The walls were surrounded by a moat 150 feet wide and 60 feet deep. It was believed that Nineveh could withstand a 20-year siege. Nahum prophesied that Nineveh would end with an overflowing flood, Nahum 1.8. That occurred when the Tigris River overflowed its banks and destroyed part of Nineveh's wall. As a result of the flood damage, the Babylonians invaded through the breach in the wall in 62 BC, plundered the city, and set it on fire. Another prophecy in Nahum 3.1 says that Nineveh would be hidden. After its destruction in 612 BC, The city truly was hidden and that it was not discovered until A.D. 1842, some 2,254 years after its destruction. After Nineveh's destruction in 612 B.C., 
it has never been rebuilt. In Nahum 2, verses 1 through 2, the prophet had prophesied that Assyria would be conquered, but that Judah would be restored. When we read Nahum, we read a prophecy of the destruction of Nineveh. Yes, the same Nineveh as in Jonah and the fish. He gave Nineveh a warning, prophecy to repent and to return from your ways. We see Nahum again prophesying their destruction. Now, Nineveh was top dog in the Assyrian Empire. In Genesis 10, we are introduced to the person who built Nineveh, Nimrod, Genesis 10, verses 8 through 14. What is interesting that Nineveh never seems to be a pattern of the world's governments. We see Jehovah bring judgment on Nineveh, and later he will bring judgment to all the nations of the world. In Nahum 1, we see attributes of Jehovah as described, and this is a bullet point list. Jehovah is a jealous and avenging God. Jehovah is avenging and wrathful. Jehovah takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Jehovah is slow to anger and great in power. Jehovah will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are dust of his feet. He rebukes the city and makes it dry. The mountains quake before him and hills melt. Who can stand before his indignation? Yehovah is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge. He will make a complete end of the adversaries and pursue his enemies into darkness. The darkness referred to here is Hosek, the same in Genesis 1 verses 3 through 4, and the same as in the plagues of Egypt. The key takeaway here, Yehovah will protect his character. He is very clear on this. In my opinion, Sean's opinion here, if each of us keep his character in mind and the fact that we are made in the likeness of his image and character, much of what we read falls into place as we naturally apply it to our lives. Amen, Sean. Archaeologists have found an ancient library in Nineveh, over 10,000 clay tablets that was started before Shalmaneser, king of Assyria and Babylon, around 860 B.C. When Shalmaneser doubled it, his successors added to it. According to the British Museum, Sennacherib had records about his wars with Hezekiah and siege and capture of Lachish. King Hezekiah was forced to pay Sennacherib in 2 Kings 18.14. Here's something interesting. The people of Nineveh spoke a Shemitic dialect that connected the Hebrew with the so-called Chaldee of the books of Daniel and Ezra. Isaiah 14, verses 24 through 25, talks about the destruction of Nineveh. Yes, they repented for a short time, but then went back to doing what they were doing before the warning of Jonah. See Nahum 1, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 19, and Zephaniah 2, 13. Sean goes on to specify that these events took place after the rule of two kings of the Medes, which I can't pronounce their names. I'm sorry. Y'all just got to read that. (laughs) Good luck. Look in Ezekiel 23, verse 6, Ezekiel 23, 14, Ezekiel 23, 15, and Ezekiel 26, verses 7 through 12. What do these verses remind you of? A little bit of after-class homework for y'all. In chapter 2 of Nahum, he gives us a prophetic word against Nineveh. Assyria land was known to the Jews as the land of Nimrod. Zephaniah, about B.C. 630, couples the capital and the kingdom together in Zephaniah 2.13, and this is the last mention of Nineveh as an existing city. 
The destruction of Nineveh occurred B.C. 606. The city was then laid to waste, its monuments destroyed, and its inhabitants scattered or carried away into captivity. It never rose again from its ruins. This total disappearance of Nineveh is fully confirmed by the records of profane history. When we read Nahum, maybe it's a pattern of the nations of the world when they match the pattern of Nineveh. I am reminded of Ezekiel 24, verses 13 through 14. Nineveh was something to behold in the Assyrian Empire, but for me, it reminds a future prophecy of Babylon in Revelation 18. Revelation 18.8 reads, For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Maybe we need to consider, while living in the world, should we act like the world? When we have clearly been told to walk as Christ did, it's something to consider. I urge you to test everything and seek Yehovah's face. That concludes Sean's notes. Thanks, brother. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.